You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome to episode 27 of Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind in the entire world. A quick shout out to our parent company, the glorious nonprofit Sick Biz Inc. Thank you for your support. Thanks also to J Hill Marketing for your continued support and resources. Tom Beards is a notable name, but not for the reason you might suspect. He is our guest today and the infamous soap opera star from The Young and the Restless, Philip Chancellor. And now he's had a turn on investigation discoveries show Evil Lives Here. He is also the author of a book detailing the most harrowing goal he had set for his life. Forgiving Troy is a book detailing how he found closure, healing, and acceptance, as well as a new relationship with his brother, who committed an unspeakable crime. I invited Tom on the show because when I heard his story, it spurred in me the astounding gift forgiveness can bring to a person's life in the form of improving physical pain and, of course, emotional pain. I am honored to talk to Tom today and share his story with you. Please welcome my insanely incredible friend, Tom Beards. Tom Beards in the studio with me. And when I say in the studio, I mean the digital studio. So let's just be real, like he's not, you know, sitting across the table having a cup of coffee with me, but he virtually is. And that is the coolest thing ever. Welcome, Tom. You're amazing. Thanks. And it's all virtual anyway, isn't it? Like, I mean, does anything really matter? <laughs> I mean, don't they say that when you break it down, uh, to quarks, to even below that, that it's really just light. And they're not, what did I see yesterday on Facebook, that uh, they are following, is it some kind of gene that eats electricity and then it transfers electricity, which substantiates the theories of people like Walter Russell and uh, other uh, philosophers that say, you know, it really is just, it's light. It's just light. And the matter's not even there. So... <laughs> There you go. Hey, uh, one of my dogs is eating a Kleenex. David, no, no. <laughs> See, okay. this is uh, this is all this is how we roll. Is your dog's name David? David, I got a little one named David. He's a rescue, and uh, because I live alone in Lake Arrowhead, and I love it. After 28 years in Hollywood, I'm so glad to be alone in the forest. But <laughs> David was getting lonely, so we got another dog, and we named him Goliath. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I, my daughter yeah. will love the everyday person name of David. I will tell you that. She dreams <laughs> of yeah. having a cat named Karen. <laughs> <laughs> so. Love it, love it. Yeah. Originally, his name was Sa, because I thought, you know what? I want to, see, I want to give him a name. That, because I'm going to say it a million times, I'm sure that feels good, that's productive on, on a health level. So let me do something that's just going to open my chakras or whatever. So, ah, but then, uh, you know, the more uh, I got to know him, he just was like a person to me. So I shifted it to David. I love it. That's awesome. So let's, let's 
hop in the time machine and go back in time a little bit because I want people to understand who you are, why they know you. Because right now they're going, Tom Beards, Tom Beards, I know that name. And then... Please tell them who I am. Tell them how famous I am, please. You are so famous. It's not even funny. (laughs) Philip Chancellor from The Young and the Freaking Restless. Like, my heartthrob is sitting right freaking here. And I'm just, like, my mind is blown. It's blown, people. Um, But it wasn't your, I mean, appeal, aesthetic appeal, aside and that's just an obvious type of a function of you it just happens to be what you were gifted with but you know what you're so freaking deep you're deep and you're on a quest you know to live a meaningful life and you are and um i was reacquainted with you through investigation discoveries uh show evil lives here and uh, and i want to just tell you that i am an id addict so it's, it's like I probably need to switch up my energy or something. But it's fascinating. People's emotional makeups and their motivations are fascinating to me. So I was reacquainted with you via Evil Lives Here. And the reason that I reached out to you was because you have done a phenomenal thing that a lot of people wish they could do, and that is forgive on an amazing level. So let me hand it off to you and have you okay. fill in the very big gaps that I left. Okay. Yeah, uh, a couple weeks ago, Evil Lives Here did an episode called The Soap Star Secret, which really shouldn't have been called that because there was nothing secret about it. But, you know, that's one thing they do with the suspense thing, I guess. But I've never been uh, private about what happened in my family. I've mm-hmm. never kept that a secret. In fact, that uh, was very uncomfortable for the rest of my family that I would so openly talk about it. In 1989, my paranoid schizophrenic brother, Troy, 19, killed our wonderful mom in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, he was the fourth child. She called him the miracle child because she, at, at, uh, in 1970, when she gave birth to him, uh, she after dad left, he came back. So she thought, you know, she was told she could never get pregnant. She had a tip uterus, but she was pregnant and dad was back and she had the miracle baby who eventually would grow up and kill her, uh, 19 years later. Uh, the, uh, okay. Where do you want to go with that? Well, I mean, I just think that's an incredible thing to have survived, you know, um, uh, well, uh, not in my case, because seriously, ever since I was a little boy, I believed in spirits and I believed in life after death. You know, I was raised, I'm Italian, Polish. I was raised Catholic. And at, as a child, I did have an idea of a personified God, you know, with, you know, the white beard and everything. I don't have that now, but I've been a spiritual seeker my entire life. And and I, I now I'm a biocentrist, which is somebody that believes our consciousness creates reality. But there are many dimensions, and there is life after death. And whatever you believe, you're going to find that after death, too. If you're Catholic, you're going to find your Catholic God when you die. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to happen because you are creating that. But in any, in any event, I've never doubted that energy 
continues and then life goes on. So when my brother killed my mom, I dealt with it a little differently than the rest of my family who were, who were much more devastated. Mm-hmm. I was more selfishly devastated because I realized, you know, I, I'm a self-centered guy and I didn't give back to my mom what she gave to me. Nobody's ever going to love me like that. She loved us all so very much. You know, so my grief was more about me feeling bad that I didn't show up, even though I did try to, uh, I, I'm not going to use the word save her because I didn't know that she was in danger, but, but, uh, my brother was abusing her apparently from the time he was 15 to 19. She had taken him to, uh, I think a total of 40 doctors and mm-hmm. only two had said maybe he's schizophrenic. The rest had said he's just, uh, uh, very angry and antisocial, and I didn't take his threats seriously. So I did take him to Hollywood, California, uh, when I was on the soap, and I tried to get him a job as a security guard at CBS, but he didn't show up. And I kicked him out uh, when he uh, was not obeying my rules, but I never thought that he would kill mom. I never thought he'd kill anybody. I didn't think that he had it in him. It's probably very hard to fathom as a person who's incapable of doing that yourself to even. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I've never had fantasized about, fantasized about killing anybody ever. So when he did share his poems about that, and even in, uh, even when he was 12 in the sixth grade, he wrote an essay how we wanted to kill the president of the United States. You know, uh, I didn't think that he really did and figure out why. I don't know. Sure. And I think, you know, it's just too devastating to even imagine that a person that you love so much has that ability in them. You can't even go there. And if you do go there and then you're wrong, it's the greatest injustice. So how do you wrap your mind around something like that? And I love that you're not holding yourself accountable in any way because you shouldn't be, first of all. But a lot of people live their lives with these burdens that don't even belong to them. And you're well, not. Well, I've lived with this. I've lived with this a long time, and uh, when Eva Lives Here filmed me, they kept pressing. I mean, for months beforehand, they kept saying, "Tell us about him. You know, when he was a little kid, like." what went wrong because that's kind of what they present it's like a formula they they show they they have to show you how oh look 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 look. if you look close you can see he's bad he's evil see and i didn't believe that and troy wasn't like that in fact they 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 misrepresented something uh on the show i talked about when i was nine years old and I built in our basement these hot wood tracks with Lego houses and Lincoln Log houses and Mashbox cars and Troy stumbled through it and he wrecked it. Now what Evil Lives Here did, they showed him running in a room kicking it. Mm-hmm. And that's not what happened. And I told them, I said, What what happened? Well, you know, I think it was accidental and I took the hot wheel track and I beat him with it. I hit him with it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, did I cause his schizophrenia? Did I make him angry the rest of his life? I didn't know. Interesting, evil lives here didn't want him. That didn't fit their formula. So they didn't, uh, they didn't put that on the air. But Troy wasn't a mean maniac. 
at one and two years old. Not at all. Well, and I think it doesn't fit like you're talking about. It doesn't fit the fear mongering. You know, it's not right. it's not sensational enough right. to say. Right. And at the same time. Everybody seems to need closure when they talk about things. Yes. Well, why yes. is so and so ill? Because X, Y and Z. Sometimes yes. there is no reason. Sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes it's a combination of multiple things. Sometimes uh, people have an accident and they hit their prefrontal lobe, you know, and it's, but that's not good enough for media or ratings or even, I don't want to say sheep, but a, a majority of people want answers to say, well, we need an answer because if I have an answer, then I know what not to do and I'm safe. But, you know, I will tell you that truth is subjective. And the older I get, the more I realize that truth is subjective. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if you ask my brother now, yes, he is paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, was it a gene? I don't think so. I think that uh, he made choices towards the dark. Mm -hmm. And eventually that led to drugs. And, you know, that screwed up his mind. And then after you kill your mom, who's wonderful. You know, that totally must screw up your mind. So, you know, he's on medication now and he's all right. In fact, uh, uh, should we talk about how I came to forgive him? Yes, absolutely. Share. This is your show. Okay, because that's, that I've gotten uh, hundreds of Facebook messages, mostly from women that have watched the ID Discovery Channel. So that must be big with women. Uh, but they were very moved that I forgave Troy. And, and here's why. Uh, well, I mean, a couple reasons. Uh, uh, I, Mom made us promise when we were kids, you know, promise me you're always going to be there for each other, you know. And, you know, we did promise that. I did promise it. So, uh, okay. But uh, uh, I did get a, a psychic message through somebody I trusted five years after he killed him that said he called me and he said Tom I don't know what's going on I'm, I'm absolutely you know ruined inside it's your mother she's so upset she's saying you have to go to Troy uh, you you have to save him right now you're the only one that, that can get through to him mm -hmm. and uh, and I said, no, <laughs> he killed mom. I want nothing to do with him. No, no. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thought about that and I knew that he was legit. So I followed that message. It's something that I felt I owed mom. And when I showed up at the prison, there was no dividing glass. So I would have to sit right next to him who had already killed mom and threatened many times that he could rip my heart out in six seconds because he was Taekwondo. And, mm. you know, I still, I did, I stayed there, and uh, he came out, and he wasn't the same. Five years you know, later, he was this non-existent, babbling, incoherent, you know, um, as schizophrenic as anybody you've ever seen. He didn't, he uh, was hardly functioning. Uh, he didn't know what was going on, and what I learned was that he was also being ignored, and he wasn't on any medication. You know, uh, they 
don't they didn't take any special interest in him, you know, and he was in a cell 23 hours a day. So because I came, they had a policy that said a family member can request medicine. And I requested medicine. And suddenly he, you know, he was restored to lucidity and uh, he didn't know what had happened. He didn't know what was real. He didn't know that he killed mom. And uh, so these were very gradual things that I had to share with him. And uh, and so he was like this infant mind. He was like this newborn child. And uh, my book, Forgiving Troy, is about his process and my process from that. That is, <clears throat> that is incredible. And you were able to see that he was almost a victim of his own mental illness. Oh, yeah, he was gone. He was non-existent. Mm-hmm. He, there was nothing there. There was nothing there, but he wasn't mean anymore. He wasn't aggressive. He was just gone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I could see it made sense that my mom still cared about him and wanted him to break out of that. And uh, by pushing me to go there, that happened. And then I got to be the big brother I felt I never was. And, uh, you know, uh, just to love him unconditionally. So what do you want to say to people who find some sort of benefit or gift in hanging on to anger and thoughts of vengeance? And they can't seem to cross over to even consider forgiveness. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that uh, I don't think any of us are victims. I think that uh, we that life is like an energy vibration mirror. So whatever we're projecting, it, it's going to come back. So yeah, if you're feeling like a victim, you can certainly be victimized. But I would ask people to just think about what is productive. You know, yeah, if you do accept the law of attraction, if you do accept that what attitude you're putting out, you're going to get repercussions from that. What is productive for you? Where do you want to be? I've got a friend of mine that, uh, you know, her boyfriend was killed on a motorcycle and a couple months later she got cancer and she's wallowing in the cancer because she feels like such a victim. Uh, you know, uh, and I can see that. Uh, that's it. I mean, is it going to serve you to be angry? Is it going to serve you to hate? I would just ask people to question that. And it, it certainly blocks abundance because if, if we look in terms of what is possible, opportunities and growth and flourishing don't come from negativity. You never see somebody living in negativity and fixating on everything that's wrong and then suddenly, boom, everything's better. You know, their their eyes are open to what was in front of them. They're capitalizing in all different ways. You never hear that. Right. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know much about you, but why don't why don't you share some of your past where that Oh, boy. So my past is like a speckled dog running through the mud. It's really, (laughs) 
I'm actually finishing up my um, a book this weekend mm-hmm. called Six Success about my journey in life. And um, the reason that I'm here and talking to people <laughs> at this point, um, I've shared a lot of myself with people, but I'll, I will tell you, I had a disastrous childhood. Um, it was good until I was probably about 10. And then um, we moved multiple times, and I mean upwards of 15 times before I was 20 years old. Um, my father left, then he was thrown in jail because he couldn't control his uh, pervert compulsions. I have suffered repeated abandonment by multiple family members, and I would say some gaslighting too, but I don't share my story in in that capacity because I have, um, I'm, I'm not carrying the weight and I'm not even carrying the weight of my own responsibility at this point. It's almost like I can step back and understand it and say, okay, I get why I made these choices. I had limited tools. I accept it. And I love myself. And I don't look at the people who were involved in these various emotional transactions as being bad people. Even today, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up rageful absolutely rageful. Anybody who tried to get close to me, forget it. I, I didn't want anything to do with you. Um, and I was angry for a long time. And I was married twice, and I had no idea what I was doing. And then I gave myself a time out and said, whoa, you're treating this like a hobby. You need to, <laughs> you need a different hobby. <laughs> so, but it wasn't until I got sick with transverse myelitis, which is multiple sclerosis's ugly frickin' cousin, that, um, and I experienced true vulnerability that I was able to heal. It wasn't until I got sick and was only myself and was bringing very little to the table in terms of, you know, monetary contribution, contributing around the house. I was just a person. I was just me, and I had to get comfortable receiving um receiving care and asking for it um and now my husband and I are in a just a beautiful relationship that's very honest for the first time ever in my life i i live with peace but i continue to examine anger and speaking existentially Wondering if there is even such a thing as anger or if it just rears up as some type of instinctual reaction that we had to assign a word to, but is only a surface emotion masking fear and the inability to control, um, masking an assault on the ego. So in starting Sick Biz, I started it last summer. I just wanted to help chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs because over half of Americans have a chronic illness and people need help. And so and your, your inspiration, you've also taken so much on, right? I mean, you've got like three careers, you've got a family, you've got a husband. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah. But You're like it, an now. <laughs> it's a mission. It's a calling. Uh-huh. You know, I think you can identify with that. You left Hollywood after 28 years and you're an artist. 
And you're a good artist. You're a talented artist. And I'm just delighted in seeing your work. And you're living authentically as well. You're living in a way that serves you. Yeah, I mean, every day's paradise here. People, people find it hard to believe. You're, you know, you don't see anybody. You're alone. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in this house in the forest with my dog. I'm surrounded yeah. by evergreens. You know, I, I no, I mean, yeah, I, I'm gay, and, and hopefully, I'll get another boyfriend soon. But I've had so many boyfriends. In fact, I've got a sex memoir that I'm working on that. Is good nature. I don't diss anybody, but it's rather amusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything I've been through, going to Hollywood and being propositioned by a billionaire and bishops and actors oh. and all the, all this stuff, it's, it's pretty entertaining. But what I'm going to bring to it, like I brought to Forgiving Troy, is unabashed honesty. Because I'm at a point where I don't care what anybody thinks. You know, I might not even see people ever again. I don't care. <laughs> you know, and especially now, you know, after growing up a, a persecuted gay uh, Catholic in the 60s and 70s, now I'm actually challenging myself. Look, you're going to put your dirtiest secrets right out there for everybody. Are you okay with that? Have you gotten over sexual shaming? So I'm hoping that will help me and everybody else, too. I love it. And I have two gay children. My daughter is the first lesbian in our family. And, um, you know, I was surprised. I guess I had a mother's blindness. And my kids tell me my my gaydar is broken. I don't even (laughs) I don't don't pick up on it probably because I don't care, you know. And um, so. I can identify that journey and we talk about living authentically in our house a lot. You have to be yourself. You have to stop running. And this goes for everybody. And I think harboring anger and guilt and vengeful thoughts and sadness and hanging on to painful memories like an albatross around your neck really holds people back. And it just it, it it hurts you. It's not it's not serving any purpose at all in your life. It's denying your purpose. Yeah, and uh, it's a little different with your family because they're around uh, reminders. But when you live alone in the woods, you can even reinvent your past. You can pretend it was totally different, and <laughs> and it can have and and they, it can have, it can bring effects into the present. You know, it's, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, anybody, you really can't reinvent your past. And there's some YouTube videos on it. and It's fascinating. Uh, yes, yes, I, I do understand what you're saying. We'll have to link some of those. Idea. Yeah, we'll have to yeah. link some of those. And I think it's really interesting that you said that because people are so black and white. If I look at my relationship with my father, for example, I say, oh, it's terrible and it's awful and he's a bad person. But the truth is, He rented a helicopter for just he and I one day when I was four because I wanted to go in one. The truth is he took us skiing. The truth is he taught me how to draw and sat down and made time for us before mental illness came and took him away. And the truth is he had a horrendous childhood. 
that gave him zero tools and taught him nothing about boundaries. So when you talk about reinventing your past, it's really interesting because we're so black and white and we say, well, this was all bad and this was all good. And we have to recognize that it's a mosaic, really. Sure. Again, I would say, just think about what will serve you. You know, how do you want to replay those memories? You can replay different memories. Uh, or, like you have done, you can just put an action in front of you and do that. And that's one thing that I try to do with my brother, Troy, because I knew that he was haunted a bit as a teenager. I tried to get him to do something productive that he would feel good about participating in, but nothing seemed to appeal to him. And I've gotten a lot of uh, Facebook messages from women who were concerned about their own sons or their mm-hmm. own violent uh, sons, you know, and ask me advice. And that's what I say. Try to get them, try to get them passionate about something that excites them and steer them on a productive level. They've got to feel good about themselves because I think school shooters, and I think, I, I think these, these people feel powerless. I think my brother felt powerless. Well, you that's- that's incredible insight. Your father, and your, your father probably acted out when he felt powerless, right? Or what? I think, yeah, he acted out when he felt powerless and he was in fear. And so he had a need to destroy what was fearful. If things were going well, you know, it doesn't uh, jive with. Uncomfortable, yeah. It's yeah, it's really yeah. uncomfortable. I've done that too with okay. relationships. I've set them on fire. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you're never coming back <laughs> here. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, you've been through a lot. Yeah, you must be older than you look, because if you've got two kids that are already gay, I mean, uh, (laughs) wow. Okay. I have have three kids, actually, and my oldest is 24. So, um, Uh yeah, I got started Uh early middle school. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I like to tell people that joke and then. (laughs) (laughs) So I think this is amazing that you're sharing yourself in this way. And, you know, I also love that you're living in this solitude and you're choosing solitude, which for some people, it's easier to choose a human partner of some sort to have company. But But, uh, what has always mattered even more than, than men (laughs) <laughs> to me, has been my creative pursuits. And yes, I'm an artist, and I make my living that way, and I've gotten, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm also president of the American Art Awards, and that's something I started 10 years ago, where we uh, we named the 25 best galleries and museums in America each year, and those galleries and museums vote on art from 50 countries. You know, so that is one creative thing that I can do from here, I can manage that, it's online. Uh, and also, I've written so much. I've written so many scripts, none of sold. But when I look back at my life, almost every day I have done something creative and I was feeling good doing it. I was thinking, oh, wow, my big ship's going to come in doing this. <laughs> and even though the big ship hasn't come in, I felt so good that. I was in a positive state, you know, and I think that that was very attractive to my exes. I think they liked that I was so passionate about my project. 
But people get swept away. I mean, they do. And sometimes when they can't find their own passions, then they're just oh. enamored watching somebody oh. immersed in their passions. Right. And, and you're as passionate as I am, but, but I'm lucky because I have more me time. You've got family and kids and stuff. You know, I'm telling you, my me time is increasing, but um, I'm so happy because I just wanted love all my life. And that's what I was looking for. And I think I could rival your sexual memoir. (laughs) 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 And now and now I have a very honest and supportive and nurturing relationship and you know when you grow up believing you have nothing to offer or give that's what you want the most and so I'm living that and I'm grateful every day Uh but is it because I mean he's he's a handsome soldier right I've seen him on your Facebook yeah he's kind of a babe a little bit yeah he's very very sexy very sexy but so uh, at this point, if he didn't love you, would you be incomplete? No, I wouldn't. And that's okay. the difference is that this relationship is different because I love myself. And it's it's also different because I went through illness. I didn't have a diagnosis for five months. I didn't know if I had spinal cancer. I didn't know if I had to get my affairs in order. And I went into a place that nobody could follow because nobody understood what I was facing. I didn't even know what it was. It was dark. Um, I had no answers. A number of neurologists. And um, through that, I learned to be okay with me. Finally. It was the only thing. And, you know, and I kept wishing, wishing, wishing. Well, I really hope some sort of groundbreaking, you know, moment comes along and heals me. And this is before I got sick and this is what had to happen in order. I couldn't trust my husband. I couldn't. He would say, you know, I'm going to go pick the kids up. And I'd say, all right, well, that's fine. But inside I was figuring out how to leave work to go get the kids because I assumed he was not going to follow through. Hmm. Right. Because that's what you were raised with. That pattern. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So as we round up our conversation, first, I want to thank you so much for being on. I mean, and and I want people to know there's two schools of thought. One is the value in reaching out. When people say, you know, what about networking and how do I network and what do I do? Let me assure you, this was a sloppy ass reaching out. (laughs) I I literally saw you on Investigation Discovery, and I'm glad you had a chance to tell your story in your way. And I reached out to you because you are an amazing human being. And I really, I I know people listening are going to learn from what you've gone through, and they're going to find such tremendous value. Yeah, uh, I agree that they could, for sure, because... Again, where what I say is when the one that forgives is the one that really benefits because it's off you. You don't have to. You're not stuck with that anymore. And that can really, I mean, that can kill us if we if we hold on to such bitterness and anger. Yes. 
And I think it can kill us. And I think it can manifest as physical symptoms. You know, there's a dumping of uh, stress cortisol in your system. And uh, it absolutely changes your physiology. Um, It is a contributor to depression. And you get into these rutted groove decisions like, well, this is just how I handle this negative thing about my life. And so the next time, then you deal with it in a negative fashion. But it all comes down to choices. And it's a good place to put it back on the listener. What what do you want to do for yourself? And as well as... Go ahead. What are you what are, what are you vibrating? What what's your attitude? What is that going to attract? Yes. And, and, How's it going to serve you? Yeah, and what does forgiveness look like? Forgiveness does not mean that you are advocating the action is okay. So it's not in a way letting people off the hook to a degree in terms of their action. You're not saying I agree with that choice. You're saying despite that choice I'm still choosing to forgive. Yes, and and right. Like if I would have gone back to Troy's prison and said, you killed mom, you were disgusting, you're a piece of shit, you know, rotten hell, rotten hell, rotten hell, okay? Or I go there and say, oh my God, you know, what are you thinking? Uh, mom would want us to be together. You know, do you remember what happened? Uh, I'm your big brother. You're my little brother. You know, uh, what is going to serve both parties more, right? I mean, he's in prison. He can't hurt anybody. Uh, Yeah. And you have a relationship with him now. Yes, he's he's got a small world. I've got a small world, but uh, things are good. That's so good. That's so wonderful. And I... So much admiration for you for sharing your story, Tom. Thank oh, you. Oh, thanks. Likewise. You know, I hardly know you, but what I know about you, I'm, I'm very impressed. And, and I think you, you, whatever, you know, whatever you went through as a child, whether it was allotted, whether you created it, you know, uh, whether it had to happen, I don't know. But where you've come from it, I think you've probably done the best you can, you can do. And I, told, I so admire that. Thank you so much. Well, That's that a- best could even be subjective. I mean, productive. You've been, you've probably been the most productive you could be. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm really trying. And I'm, you know, we're living for people, not only for ourselves, but for other people. So that, well, I talked to, uh, I talked to a first time author yesterday. And it really is all about not giving a shit. You get to a point in your life where you say, this is me, damn it. I feel good about myself. I'm trying my hardest every day. And I don't care if people hear me stumble or trip or look like a moron or whatever. Because I love me. I love me and I love my choices. As long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as your intent is not to hurt people, yeah, be who you are. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you again for being on the Sick Biz Buzz. I cannot wait to launch you into the airwaves. All right. <laughs> cool. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and your patience trying to figure out how to get my sound to work. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. I returned the same to you. That was a lot of fun.
And, you know, and it's a testament, people. You want to get shit done? Just keep grinding through it until you find a solution. The power of forgiveness is undervalued in our lives. And we might even want to ask why we want to hold on to these negative and weighty feelings in the first place. What is doing that giving you? It's not a gift, but it just might be blocking your energy and your ability to create abundance. Is it giving you attention? A twisted version of love. What is at stake that you don't want to let go? We learned a lot from our guest, Tom Beards, today. And I'm very excited that you were able to tune in and listen. And I know that he has benefited you greatly. If you would like to reach out to Tom, please check out his website, tombeards.com, T-H-O-M-B-I-E-R-D-Z.com. Check out his amazing artwork and hear a little bit more about his story of being such a unique human being. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe, and share Sick Biz Buzz wherever podcasts are available. Please also check out sickbiz.com to indulge in 20-plus guest bloggers sharing their experiences of living with chronic illness and disability. We also share the insights of life and business coaches and have a brand new shiny resources page dedicated to helping you further your entrepreneurship. Finally, bring all this awesomeness to your fingertips by simply texting SICKBIZ at 36260. Thanks so much for being part of our show today. Until next time, be well.